pandemic has forced us into our homes and made us even more reliant on online services, everything from Netflix to Zoom video conferencing. This dynamic has shed a light on the fact that millions of Americans don't have access to adequate broadband. And with the lockdown triggering the worst economic meltdown since the Great Depression, some may soon find themselves struggling to pay for whatever services they can get. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me today is Jeff McElfresh, CEO of AT&T Communications. Jeff, AT&T boasts nearly 170 million wireless subscribers and more than 15 million home broadband connections. But the FCC estimates that more than 21 million people in this country don't have adequate broadband, which is a nightmare right now. What is AT&T doing to help close that digital divide? Uh, We've actually seen some pretty impressive demands on utilization of broadband connectivity, ranging from uh, the kind of Wi-Fi home uh, usage that you would have at your at your residence with your broadband service provider up to uh, traffic on the wireless network. And as you might imagine, we track that very closely. We look at the increases in traffic across all types of applications, teleconferencing and video conferencing being of really high utilization rates right now. And I'm pleased to report that uh, the AT&T network is performing superbly uh, during the pandemic. Having said that, as we were entering the shelter-in-place orders that you uh, cited at the opening, um, there was a rush for many corporations looking to mobilize their workforce to being able to work from home productively, as well as uh, consumers uh, of all types looking to ensure that they had the best broadband connectivity to, um, to be productive either with their employer or as we have recently learned, be very important for their children where schools were closed and teachers needing to connect with their students to continue distance learning. And so, yes, is the answer. Broadband um, is is a strong, uh, high demand product. And uh, we're seeing consumers flock to uh, more and more utilization of those products and services. For us to address the, 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 the main question, As you think about the the digital divide and uh, the capacity that's available for consumers to use, we've been investing roughly $20 billion a year for as long as I can recall in our network investment plan here in the United States. And that network investment plan includes things like upgrading our wireless infrastructure to providing very high speed wireless data, essentially nationwide. And I'm pleased to report that through the deployment of our first net program and a very efficient deployment model where we installed all the spectrum that we have access to on the towers that provide this service, we've been able to achieve uh, bandwidth and megabit speeds on the network that are in the 30, 40, and 50 megabit range for customers accessing the internet wirelessly. And just to be clear, FirstNet, uh, f- for those who don't know, that, that is a network mostly built for first responders, correct? Yeah, that's that's correct. It was uh, it, it's been designed exclusively and specifically for the use case of keeping first responders connected in an interoperable fashion, and it provides them a priority access to uh, resources and areas of the country in, in case of an event or a crisis. Um, and it really facilitates their ability to uh, conduct their mission uh, to support the public. Well, we're in you know as big of a crisis as you can imagine around the country. Uh, what have you seen with FirstNet usage? Demand for FirstNet has been at an all-time high, as you might imagine. Um, 
But I, I think FirstNet in general, Roger, is, is more than just a wireless network. I mean, it's, it's technically a custom-built uh, backbone. It's a custom-built wireless access um, for those first responders where each member of the first responder community that participates with this has a unique SIM in their mobile device that gives them this priority access to the common network. But it goes far beyond just the wireless network. We had the USS Mercy dock um, to provide support for um, the hospitals in um, uh, dealing with this pandemic. And that ship needed fiber connectivity. And that is a first responder priority mission. And so our FirstNet program marshals the resources needed to get fiber connected directly to the, the USS Mercy, for example, that activates all of the equipment that's uh, that's available on that ship to help serve in the demand of the hospitalizations and the, the doctors and the nurses to deal with the pandemic. Uh, when the Javits Center was activated in New York City um, to provide for not only testing, but trauma care uh, in a, a very rapid fashion, it was uh, FirstNet that was called to serve and provide wireless connectivity and devices such that that facility could be transformed into a state-of-the-art uh, triage and trauma care location. And just to be clear, when you, when you say you're connecting uh, the USS Mercy with fiber, like not physically fiber, like with wireless, or like how are you connecting a ship with fiber connectivity? Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, this is a pretty important point, I think, that you could probably stitch through a broader conversation. Um, facilities like the USS Mercy actually has an ingress point, a connection box, just as it would pull up and plug into power, it can plug into a data network. And, you know, it's probably not a surprise that there's not a whole lot of fiber just sitting out on all the beach sides um, in the ports waiting for a ship to dock. That's not something that, you know, you would design or ever engineer for. Um, however, in this case, we were able to re-engineer a particular fiber route and make a last mile fiber connection to that ship in a matter of uh, a day, roughly, to uh, turn up all of the data services on the, on the, on the boat. All right. Well, circling back to the, the issue of broadband access, and something I want to talk about um, is something called the homework gap. And if you're not aware of that, if, you probably are if you're a parent. Um, but if you're not, it's the idea that, you know, slow or unavailable internet makes it difficult for your child to, you know, keep up with school, homework, doing, doing things online. And that's been exacerbated now by the fact that we're all doing things online. Distance learning is the norm now. Uh, my oldest is four years old and I struggle to get him to pay attention to even a 30 minute Zoom lesson. And I have decent internet. And so for... For a lot of folks who don't have a steady connection, this is a real problem. What is AT&T doing to, to kind of help shore this up? And so there's a there's a couple of solutions. No one solution, I think, is the perfect one. I would tell you there's many activities underway. It's probably a better way to describe it. As we've expanded our coverage and our capacity of our wireless network itself, not only are we putting spectrum up on the towers, but we're having to connect fiber to all of those towers. And as you well know, a wireless network and its ability to provide high-speed broadband over wide uh, geographic coverage areas is a lot more than just the cell tower itself. You've got to get that fiber infrastructure deployed to all of those locations to ensure you've got enough capacity and performance 
for subscribers, whether they live in rural America or they live in downtown USA. Um, so the network investment strategy and the expansions that you see AT&T um, um, partaking in helps bring more capacity to uh, the rural parts of America. But at the same time, uh, getting the network built is only one part. You've got to provide for devices and access to that network. And I'm really proud of the work that AT&T has done in partnering with school districts across the U.S. and many states during this pandemic to offer a special promotional offers for students to connect for free uh, during the pandemic season uh, or this pandemic period. And uh, that's a, that's uh, also not just the end user, the students, um, but also the teachers and the faculty as well, because we're all part of this. Um, uh, educators are living all over the place trying to educate their students who are now scattered. And so really it's the full population of um, the educational provider system that we have to address. Um, and, and, and so, so with that, what we're, what we're seeing is uh, technology and wireless specifically where physical terrestrial broadband speeds don't match up to the demand like you described with your son, uh, needing a little bit better bandwidth. Um, uh, more and more consumers are flocking to these wireless offers to uh, provide that connectivity. I want to talk about affordability. Um, at least 30 million people have filed for jobless claims over the month, past month and a half. That's a jaw-dropping number. Uh, how is AT&T making sure that people continue to have internet access uh, even if they can't afford it? And so this is, uh, this is part of AT&T's uh, heritage, I believe, uh, Roger, and, and our commitment to keeping Americans connected. And I think most of your viewers are familiar with a pledge that many uh, service providers and operators in the U.S. signed up with the FCC to provide for some facilities and assistance uh, to address the current economic hardships that COVID is certainly placing on all of us Americans. Um, and with that pledge, essentially, we're offering uh, no late fees. We promise not to terminate any service for inability to pay so long as uh, the customer uh, the individual notifies us that they're indeed impacted by COVID. Um, and uh, they really don't have any means at which right now to be current on, on uh, their service plan, if you will. And so we've extended that to the end of June. Um, per the prior topic that you asked me about, uh, that is coincident with generally when most schools are complete for the school year. Um, and that was not done out of accident. That was done purposefully to ensure that our young Americans have the ability to remain connected, even if um, the parents or the provider doesn't have necessary means to pay right now. And as the U.S. government has acted swiftly with stimulus to provide some assistance for um, multiple participants in the economy, as we see that stimulus start to filter into the economy, we're seeing that tra those transactions start to shift towards the purchase and the support for more broadband connectivity to maintain uh, the, the mission critical for the family, the mission critical services that are needed at a time like this. Yes, as you mentioned, the, the FCC's Keep Americans Connected pledge um, has most of the service providers, I think almost all, um, pledging to keep things going till June 30th. Uh, I'm curious though, what, what happens after that, uh, clearly the the fallout from this pandemic, this crisis, 
it's going to last a lot longer than that. There are going to be folks who you know, have lost jobs who just aren't going to have the money. Have you discussed or having plans for for how we keep things going, how we keep broadband broadband access going uh, through you know next year through the you know for however long the fallout really lasts? We are um, uh, well prepared and have policies in place that are available on our att.com slash COVID website where uh, consumers that are struggling to pay um, through the FCC pledge duration, there's, there's the procedures of how to get some assistance and some support from AT&T. And beyond that, we've got a multitude of products and services that we can offer um, ranging from not only payment plans to assist in maintaining uh, service, but also other products and services, rate plans in our wireless business and different sorts of prepaid um, offers that would uh, help support certain certain individuals that might need that kind of assistance. And so um, we're just going to have to work through that as a society, I think. Uh, knowing all good and well that the demand for for broadband connectivity and the necessity of having wireless as a cornerstone to your family's productivity um, is uh, is vital. And that's part one of our three-part interview with Jeff McElfresh. On Friday, we'll continue with part two, where we talk about my favorite topic, 5G. If you have any questions, leave us a voicemail at 862-250-5713. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.